The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamualaikum. Welcome to Sisters Speak. You're here with me, Mariam. You're also joined with me, Sonia. And we also have a very special guest today, Abdurrahman, co-founder of Pillars App. How are you today, Abdurrahman? Wa alaikum assalam rahmatullah. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. So I'm just going to quickly give you an introduction. Um, so Abdurrahman is co-founder of Pillars App. So Pillars App is an app that uh, demonstrates and shows prayer prayer timings. It has received international and national recognition. It has been featured on Good Morning America, so it has had an extensive reach, and we're really incredibly honored to have you today. Alhamdulillah, thank you for joining us. Um, so before we start to do the main topic of the show, which is being at service for the community, uh, we wanted, uh, Sonia, can you tell us what our show is about? Yeah, our show is a platform for girls to voice their own opinions on current events, issues and just form discussions on any kind of topics like religion, culture, politics and all opinions and views are our own and we respect all other opposing slash similar views and opinions. Yeah, so just the emphasis that all opinions and views are our own and we respect all other opposing views. So the main topic today is being at service for the community and talking about the Pillars app and the processes behind that. And we think it's really important to talk about being at service for the community as it's something that's really emphasised in our religion um, as we are one ummah. And in order for us to emulate those values, we have to be in duty to each other, to the ummah. And ultimately, by doing that, we are at service to Allah. So we will be talking about on the second half of the show. Um, At the beginning, we will be speaking to you. Uh, Abdurrahman. If you do, do want to join in the conversation, you can call us on 01582481822 or you can WhatsApp us on 077 or you can message us on Facebook Live if you search Inspire FM where we would love to hear your thoughts. So the first bit of the show, what we're going to do is talk about Thought of the Week. So Thought of the Week is a segment where we talk about a reflection, something insightful, something that has impacted us. Um, And it doesn't necessarily need to be about the topic of the show, but it's just something that we think it's important to impart. So I'm going to start off with Sonia, and then I will go on to Abdurrahman, inshallah. Okay, so thank you, Mariam. My thought of the week this week is actually based on a quote that one of my work colleagues sent to me on WhatsApp this week. And um, I'll read the quote out. Sometimes God slows you down so that the evil ahead of you will pass before you get there. Your delay could mean your protection. Right, right. So I think I picked that one because it's quite resonated with me in that moment because I think so often we all have our goals and ambitions and sometimes you might feel a bit behind or you might feel gutted that you didn't get something that you were aiming for Um, and I think in that moment I realised yeah I mean we always say this right but it's good to just remember again like hold on you might not have got that opportunity for a reason you might be saved from something that would have been way worse some kind of calamity that could have occurred if you got that chance slash opportunity or if you got to that destination so you know even small things like when you're stuck in traffic or some accident happened on the road so the road's been locked off and you're home late like two hours something crazy but these little things i truly believe that sometimes you know it's actually saved you from something that could have been worse um but even just in like like i said like education or work if you didn't get that say promotion that time or if you didn't, uh, yeah, like education, if you didn't manage to hand in your assignment or something, even though it doesn't seem like it at the time, it may have been that actually something better was in store for you. So, yeah. That's really powerful. And I think that's something that we kind of talk about on the show as well, that, you know, it's something that if you haven't achieved a certain mind, just think it's Allah's redirection, as opposed to something that is seen as a failure. Abdurrahman, what is your thought of the week? Yeah, um, sorry, thank you for having me. Um, so my thought would be around rights and responsibilities. So um, we all have our rights uh, for ourselves, but we also have responsibilities towards others. And I think something that uh, is really important to remember, and I think we often focus on the rights that we have, and we are commonly demanding these rights from others. Um, whilst we might be entitled to them, I think if people thought more about the responsibilities they had to others, they would find that automatically if everyone wants to fulfill their responsibilities, that everyone would receive their rights, if that makes sense. So um, rights, they're not in your, often they're not in your control. Responsibilities are. So if you if you want to fulfill your responsibilities, you can go 
you have the control, you can do that today, you can decide to fulfill all your responsibilities today. And if, inshallah, everyone did that, then uh, we would see that a lot of people would be um, receiving what they, they, they believe they are entitled to. So, yeah, it's just that it's a mindset shift from being expecting things from others to uh, trying to do as much as you can yourself, and then everything should work itself out. Well, that's really profound. It kind of just made me think about how the Prophet and how he spent his life to facilitate others. And in that way, he ha- Allah facilitated him and there's so many obstacles and hurdles that he went through. But he was more focused on um, fulfilling the rights of other people and he cried for us the most. So it really does show you that mm. the the value in making sure that you do think about fulfilling the rights of other people. And as we know that if you fulfill the rights of another person, Allah fulfills your rights and he facilitates you. And I think mm-hmm. it's really, really integral that we internalize that and em- emulate that. So thank you for that great thought of the week. Um, I'm just going to delve into the main part of the show in terms of asking you about Pillars app. Um, I, I know that most of our listeners are really excited to hear about your processes and you know the success of uh, pillars, but also the challenges. I think it's important to actually have a very fair um, view of how this process has led you to achieve the milestones that you have. So I'm just going to start off uh, to to give you an opportunity to talk about yourself a little bit. Um, I know that you, you're going to be graduating as a doctor, so mashallah. mashallah. Huge congratulations on behalf of Inspire FM. Um, we're really happy Huge. that you have achieved that milestone. Um, so yeah, just the floor is yours. Yeah, so um, so I'm, my name is Abdurrahman. I uh, grew up in the UK. My originally I'm half Palestinian, half Iraqi, um, and I grew up in London. I went to school here in the UK, and I studied, as you said, medicine. So for the past six years, I've been studying at UCL in London, and uh, now, Alhamdulillah, I'll be starting my job as uh, as a doctor in, in about four to five weeks. And uh, uh, alongside that, about a year and two months ago, I, I want to say, a friend and I, a uh, friend, Tarek, uh, we set up, um, we essentially uh, decided that we would build the pillars up. Um, it was in response to a lot of con- concerns around um, privacy. And uh, I think the majority of people that we spoke to who were using prayer apps didn't feel like those prayer apps were necessarily um, uh, giving them the, the best experience they wanted to. So we thought we would try and do uh, create something uh, better, uh, trying to in line with the kind of value of Ihsan that we have in Islam, uh, to, to, to do the best, to strive, to go the extra mile is the, the way I like to describe it. Um, and so we built the pillars up, alhamdulillah, now we have about uh, 185,000 users um, across the world, and you mentioned um, where, where we've been, where we've been why we've been featured so alhamdulillah uh, it's been a journey but uh, i'm grateful to be here alhamdulillah that's a, that's an incredible milestone that you've achieved and um, it's really nice to see that you've identified a problem and then you actively try to do a solution and as it kind of relates and aligns to the main topic of the show today being at service i definitely see pillars as, as a service you know just the fact that it shows prayer times and we have that security knowing that you know our data is not going to be missold um, elsewhere is something that's really reassuring but also i think we've discussed as well personally that i think just to such a um, clean interface and it's really aesthetically pleasing, if I say so myself. Yeah. Um, it really has really helped me in terms of just my prayers, just to receive that notification and to be prompted to pray. Um, another element as well, if you could uh, talk about, is the en- element of um, the prayer tracker and then the inclusivity of that. I think something that I want to kind of touch upon as well, if you could. Yeah, of course. So you mentioned the, the kind of three main parts to the Pillars app. Um, so the prayer times that you can get, the Qibla, the direction of prayer towards Mecca, and um, something we added later on actually was the tracker. And the tracker was there because we, our vision, what we really want to do is help Muslims with their salah, with their prayer. And so um, there's a lot of things that we could do in the future. But I think one of the most basic things that you can do that can really help is help Muslims log in their prayers because it gives them an idea of what are they, uh, what prayers are they missing, um, and, and kind of gives that incentive to try and tick those boxes off every week. And we have like a streak kind of feature which allows you to build up the number of prayers. Um, so alhamdulillah, that we added that. And in terms of inclusivity, well, we, we were thinking during the process of, of building the tracker that we, sisters, of course, there is a period of time in the month when they're menstruating that they need to essentially, they, they won't be praying. Um, but what we didn't want to do, because we have this streak feature, 
is uh, is a kind of exclude sisters because what it, that that streak would obviously be um, disrupted every time they had their menstruation. So something we thought that was quite important was uh, to ensure that both brothers and sisters could use it all the time. Is uh, have a, a menstruation button that allows them to pause the tracking but not impact the the the, the kind of streaks and the the tracking of the prayer. Uh, the prayers. So um, when a sister, for example, is using the app, they're tracking their prayer and when menstruation ha occurs, they can then pause it uh, with the button and it will automatically uh, kind of log those. And then when they're when they're kind of off their menstruation and praying again, they can kind of continue as, as before. And it shouldn't, it should mean that they have the, the same experience as, as brothers. So we, 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 we thought that this was, uh, I know um, often it can be seen as a feature, but to be honest, the tracker itself would not be functioning correctly for sisters if we didn't have that. So uh, I think it was kind of something we, we, we did immediately when we launched the tracker. We had it there already. Um, so, yeah, alhamdulillah, that was received well. And um, I think I think uh, it just points to the lack of, I guess, thoughtfulness that might happen with a lot of other apps out there or another, other products that might be available to people. Um, but, yeah, alhamdulillah. I think, uh, you know, one thing that I even find useful is that the tracker aspect. And I think one thing you mentioned is that there's a lack of thoughtfulness towards the creation of these things, especially when you're thinking about the Muslim community. We kind of lack that holistic perspective on how do we identify from and how do we actually address as many people mm. as possible. So what was your process in behind, you know, speaking to the community? And, you know, I, I know one thing that you definitely was very strong about is making yourself very visible in the creation of this app so what was your kind of thought process behind that yeah so one of the concerns that were that ha that kind of prompted us to build the pillars app was the privacy concerns people were worried about their data their location data and where that was going so i think when we built the app we um, obviously we can make promises but people need to know who the people behind the app are and they need to be able to engage with them and dialogue with them so something we felt quite strongly about is um, kind of opening ourselves up, both Tarek and I, especially on social media platforms, we were most active on Twitter, and, and, and engaging with people and, and essentially talking them through and sharing with them what we were doing and and, and the process of building the app. Um, and I think the reason we thought that was really important, well, there was two main reasons. The first was because we wanted to people to discover it, but second of all, it's to build a rapport with the community, especially a community that had become um, a bit paranoid, actually, uh, and rightly so, because of what's ha what happened in the past um, with their kind of location and, and, and data and things like that. So so we thought that this was a good way to do to do that. And alhamdulillah, that did. It prompted challenges in terms of people would ask us difficult questions. Um, and we had to think of good responses to them and make adjustments at times. Um, but it also allowed us to get a lot of people who felt that they could trust us. And as a result of that, that meant people were very happy to use the app and happy to share the app with others. And actually not just happy to share, but really like ambassadors for, for pillars. Um, so Alhamdulillah, I think um, that, that's kind of how we went about it. Yeah, I, would, I definitely would say someone actually said to me yesterday, you're very cult when it comes to pillars. I feel like wherever I go, I always be telling people. <laughs> you make sure no, you I can vouch for that. So <laughs> we've obviously been doing our radio <laughs> sessions for a while now. And I think just even before Ramadan, um, Mariam all the time was just saying, you guys, you need to download this app. I'm telling you, you need to download pillars app. And obviously when certain situations happen with other apps that are out there that are quite popular, Mariam was in straight where she's like, don't worry. I know what to do, guys. Don't worry, now that you can't use that anymore, I've got the app for you. So, you know, you can thank Mariam. Honestly, she's been amazing. I downloaded the app straight away, um, especially when I heard about all the features that you have in it, like the tracking, um, the inclusivity of it. And to be honest, it's really nice. Like you said, it's just user-friendly. User and I don't know if you guys know, you can have... I mean, I don't know the cameras, but can you see that? The widget. Yeah. How nice is that? So it automatically will tell you that the next prayer time, the time it has like the time, it has a little moon sign, which is the logo, I guess. But I just really like it. I'm very, like, I like having things on my screen. So I have that widget up and ready. And I didn't even know it was a feature. I just went on like iPhone and it came up. So I was like, I'm mm. happy with that. So yeah, all these little things really help. Um, but I did want to just touch on something you mentioned Um you mentioned the thing about how you were sharing on social media platforms while you were building the app. 
And I didn't actually know that because, like I said, I, I'm here through Mariam's recommendation. But I think that helps so much. Um, the reason why mm. is because so often with these apps and whatever, it's like a bot. Like, you don't know who's doing it. It could be a robot somewhere. It could be in another country. You know, this is real. It feels almost local in a way, but in a good way. It's positive. Mm. You have that connection and you don't think they're going to scam. No one's scamming us, but at least you feel like, yeah, it's not a scam. It's legit. It's an app. It's made by people who are going to actually use the app themselves um, and I think mm. that really really helps just knowing that you're a real human <laughs> like a real person behind it that really that just gives that trust I think so yeah thanks for that yeah I, <laughs> I, I completely agree I think that something is very basic but it, it makes a lot of sense you want to know the person behind it and I think yeah. putting your identity there is also putting it on the line because it means that um, if there are if things, things go problems wrong, that occur yeah. in the future yeah, whereas if you're hidden, then obviously you, you're less accountable. Exactly. Um, and, and as a result, you, you lose that. So I think, uh, alhamdulillah, it was something that I think we didn't realize how much benefit we'd get from that. So a lot of things I think people kind of sometimes ask us, um, what, uh, how did you do this? How did you do that? And sometimes we had good reasons, but sometimes we didn't. Um, and we did the, those things and we actually like realized how helpful it was in retrospect. Um, so uh, obviously a lot of this is Allah's blessing and Allah's help um, so something to always remi- remind ourselves of it's not obviously not, nothing's really just through our efforts everything's from from whatever Allah has, has kind of willed for us yeah I think I, I completely resonate with what Sonia's saying even for me it was just I think it was that I think it was a transparency and a transparency and also the ability to be able to use the app um, and just having that user experience and I think something that you touched upon is about Ehsan I can I can definitely see that reflected in that in the construction of the app and even holding yourself accountable in engaging with the community here what their responses are um, good constructive criticism and also positive um, so I think that's something that makes your app quite different to you know other user experiences because you feel very involved with the whole process um, but I think something that you touched upon is in the challenges in the responses that you've got could you just kind of elaborate on that yeah so I think for example sometimes people would be like um, so, so so we're obviously making certain claims and and people are responding for example they're asking about how can we be sure that for example you're not going to be sharing our location data or for example once we launched people would be asking us why uh, the pray- why do you only have these specific kind of prayer time options because obviously there are a lot of different ways of calculating prayer times so so these are all challenges that we had to kind of think about and consider and obviously we we're, we're, we're limited in our resources obviously so so we we wish we could add everything that people wanted us to add to the app but um realistically we we, we can only go so far um but also in terms of backing people up i think there was a, 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 a for, for some individuals a healthy level of skepticism um, and I think, again, going back to the kind of uh, what, what we kind of phrase building in public or sharing our kind of journey on social media, um, that did help a lot. And I think over time people did. And I actually witness this very often is that you, you sometimes will get a very cold and um, paranoid, not paranoid, because I, I don't like using the word paranoid because I think it was justified. Yeah. Um, but I think like very, very kind of... Um, uh, yeah, skeptical kind of comments that would sometimes appear very cold, um, and 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 sometimes I would respond to them, and if there would be like an engagement back and forth, and actually after engaging back and forth after all, you actually witness a transformation in how they view you and how they view pillars, and um, and and that's kind of something that I um, I think like uh, like good dialogue is actually often important, and just trying to be understanding and 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 help someone kind of. Yeah, just, just I, th- I think very easily we could have either ignored those comments, or we could have, for example, response responded in the same kind of cold, um, cold manner. But I, I remember Tarak and I, whenever we were kind of engaging with these com- uh, with com- uh, comments like this, we'd always say, "Try kill them with kindness." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so respond to them extremely kind compared to what they they, they were saying to you. Um, and actually, I found ninety nine point nine percent of the times they actually realised um, that they, they, they felt bad. They they often realised that. What they were saying, they they were convinced and censured by our language and by what we were saying, and Alhamdulillah, that's helped a lot. And I think that's actually as well a prophetic kind of uh, thing. Like we know that we all know the, the story of the Prophet Sallallahu where he was grabbed by the cuff, by his um, by his neck, uh, by a Bedouin against the wall, and the Bedouin was asking for demands, and and, and as a result of that, the Prophet Sallallahu could have easily asked someone to to take him away, but 
Um, but he 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 actually asked someone to to to, to help with this man's demands. So so very different response to what you you, you could just you could even justify it, right? Because he could respond retaliate in the exact same manner, but he didn't. He chose kindness, and so and that's something that I think um, we should always try to um, kind of keep. Definitely. And I think one thing that you touched upon is that the prophetic values, even for me, if you think about um, Ta'if in, uh, in Saudi Arabia, because I, I visited there a couple of years ago, about three years ago, and they, they were the people that really caused us so much uh, pain to the Prophet to the point where his shoes were um, drenched in blood. And he had the opportunity to work mm. that out, but he didn't. And because of that, that city still exists today and that city is all Muslim. So thinking about the long-term impact and how you can influence change just by your simple interaction is really, really important. And that's something that I think is really important as, as a community. Um, that's something that we need to internalize and make sure that we reflect that in our actions. It's not just enough to be speaking about it or, um, uh, or just internalizing it. We have to actually be proactive. Um, and having accountability is really important, not only uh, by the people around you, but actually a whole wider scale, just because we are one Ummah. Um, so that's something that we will be talking about in the other next half of the show. But going back, bringing it back into Pillars, um, what has been the highlight for yourself uh, in terms of Pillars? I, I kind of think the enthusiasm that people talk to me about Pillars, like kind of what you guys were doing earlier, I think that makes me feel really, especially like the individual story, I think that actually goes a lot further than the big numbers. Um, Alhamdulillah, obviously, we're, we're, we're blessed to, ha to have reached that level, but I think it's the individual comments like we had, um, like we obviously have a lot of plans for pillars and how we can add features that can help Muslims with Salah. Um, but but it, even in this early stage, our app's quite, we're still in its kind of uh, more, more basic features, I would say. Um, uh, Alhamdulillah, we still do get comments of people who have said that it has transformed the way that they pray. And, um, and and it has made a huge difference, whether it's the notifications or whether it's just being able to track their prayers easily or whether it's just actually, even before we had the tracker, people were saying just the, the, the kind of nice aesthetics of the app kind of helped them, like, like uh, I guess it kind of encouraged them to use a prayer app more often and that helped them with, the, with their salah. So um, I think these individual stories that we get every now and then, and, uh, I think it's, it, you can lose sight of them, but I think that that's definitely been a highlight, yeah. Oh, that's really lovely to hear. I think I'm one of those uh, users. 100%. Marion is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all are here. Um, like, you heard me gushing over the app earlier too, but, yeah, Marion's definitely one of those people. Uh, I don't know if you know about Femis Abdurrahman. Um, so I went recently to a study session, Femisol, and everyone just like, have you heard about have you heard about pillars? Have you heard about pillars? I'm like, yes, I have, and I'm promoting it too. <laughs> so Alhamdulillah, it, it, it's it's actually really it's worldwide. I, I really think you know, and I think it's really important because I feel like as a community, we need to be spreading something that's good. So this is bringing hope to people. So we should be spreading it because in a way we're helping someone to pray and that's an integral aspect of our religion and so for us i think you know the owner should be on on ourselves to be able to spread something that's you know has so much benefit um so moving on to my next question um what is your long-term plan for pillars i think you just briefly mentioned that you know you do have a project plan in place but just briefly kind of mention some of the things that you're pioneering yes uh, of course so i think um one, there's kind of two things that we want to do with pillars. I think it obviously takes time to do them really well and execute the plans in, in the best way possible. So one of them is a, uh, kind of thinking about mosques and how we can help mosques connect with the community in a better way. Um, so so something that features that people always ask us about is they wish they could navigate and find mosques on the app more easily. Obviously that links in with Salah and that's very important. So we want to do, and there's a lot I think that we can do around that, it's still early days though exactly what we will do is the same but we want to help mosques essentially communicate better with their community and the other side of it is about habits starting with salah of course um so so we we introduced the tracker as kind of the first level of helping people with uh, the habit of salah so at the moment you you have the five prayers but it, actually in the future what we want to do is allow people to uh, track more habits different habits that are relevant to 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 their religion but also actually how can we help people not just track them but actually build the habit um, and I think there's a lot of um, useful kind of material that's in the tradition and also kind of more modern techniques to help people with making good habits and breaking bad habits that inshallah we want to try and put into an app that can help make it very easy for you because I think it's, it's it's difficult to kind of ask someone to read a book and make a habit like that's a lot of friction and what we want to do is make the process extremely easy and simple. 
Yeah, so, so um, one of the a book that I've been recently reading, I don't know if you've heard of it, Abdurrahman, it's called Atomic Habits. And uh, it, yes. yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's really, um, I think it's a very powerful book because as, as far mm-hmm. as I've read it, it really talks about your identity. And when you assign yourself to a label, then automatically your habits are going to be informed by that. So even just mm-hmm. calling yourself Muslim, you're going to beha- behave like a Muslim and also visibility. So having an app that is aesthetically pleasing is going to influence whether you're going to pray or not. And that's something that you have already ticked off. So that's really, really positive. Um, we do have a minute to, to the adverts, but just quickly wanted to ask you, what skills have you gained by um, creating um, Pillars app? Because I know it's not just exclusive to you. Just, you're not someone that's um, doing design. You're, you studied medicine, so just quickly, in a couple of seconds, if you can just touch upon the skills that you have uh, gained. Yeah, so design for sure, because I, I, I don't, I haven't done design a course or anything like that. So that was a big aspect of it. I think also organization, like time organization, obviously in a, in a, in a very stressful degree like medicine, making sure that I'm able to balance that and pass my exams as well as being able to manage pillars and build pillars is really important. I think. Um, we undervalue how much time we have in our day. Mm. Um, so I think that's that's helped a lot. Okay, thank you so much for that. Um, we are going to end of the show. We'll see you in the next. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Sisters Speak. We've been in the first half of the show. We were talking about the Pillars app. We are joined by Abdul Rahman, co-founder of the Pillars app. And in this half, we will be talking about being at service for the community. So I'm going to delve into it because we are short for time. Um, well, the last the the last question I asked Abdul Rahman was what skills he gained from creating Pillars app. So I just wanted to kind of elaborate on that a little bit more, if that's okay, because I think it's a good segue for the next half of the show. Abdurrahman, you unmute unmute yourself. Sorry. Yeah, of course. So I'm in terms of the so so I self-taught myself during medical school about design. I think that was a really important skill that I needed, for example, to be able to build things. Because as a medical student, um, I wanted to I wanted to build things, whether they're websites or apps for people, so that I could solve problems that people had and obviously potentially create a business as a result of that. So um, the first thing I realized is that I don't know how to design, I don't know how to code. So, so these were the things that I thought about kind of learning, uh, learning myself so that I could do that. So I started to do both those things, designing and coding. Alhamdulillah, that's what led to um, helping me or allowing me to, 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 to design the pillars up. Definitely. I think uh, it's a lot of people just think that they need to remain in one trajectory if they're uh, they're studying one discipline they need to remain in that but I think as Muslims we need to have that perspective that we need to be able to branch out and to learn transferable skills in other disciplines because we need to be versatile people that's how Islam spread to four corners of the world that's my opinion anyways Um, so I think you know even in the essence of Ihsan if you want to be excellent you need to be developing yourself you need to have introspection you need to be develop skills within yourself to be able to be at duty uh, to um, the people in our community I think one thing you touched upon is about working with mosques and Sonia and I were just discussing mm-hmm. in the break it's something that I talk about a lot because I think mosques are a, a community space and it's not something that's perceived in that way but it definitely is it's a space where Muslims are supposed to be gathering together and actually harnessing the talent we have amongst our community to for the good um, and even just the premise of having a khutbah on Friday and congregating together there's so much talent between that and I, don't, I feel like there's just such a huge disparity or disconnect between all these great work that's happening on but it's just not connected um, and then the second problem I think is that it's very individualistic I don't know about you Abdurrahman but I feel like mosques attribute themselves to one culture so for example it's an Arab mosque or it's a Bangladeshi mm. mosque or a Pakistani mosque and I think that creates a disjointed culture um, so what's your experience? Has, uh, has it been like to be able to uh, communicate with this mosque in terms of your uh, vision for Pillars? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of um, the individualistic kind of mindset. Um, the way that I think about it is the community, the Muslim community, we're made up of building blocks. So we start with ourselves. Um, and I think that's an important step because I think we can often sometimes look for problems outside of ourselves rather than thinking about our individual selves. So we think about 
what things that you need to do to improve yourself and then beyond that you have your family unit right so making developing and keeping a stronger relationship with your siblings with your mother with your father with your children and then beyond that building block but that's kind of like the middle size building block. The, the the next size building block is the mosque right the community center that you you, you kind of reference there so how can we so that pillars i'm thinking um, how can we improve the individual's kind of abilities to improve themselves? And we spoke about like the habits and prayer. And then we're thinking about, okay, with family, I think that's a slightly different challenge. But with the mosque, how can we help mosques improve that? So this is kind of where, where it's come from in terms of how we're thinking about, about these things. Um, my experience, uh, I've spoken to mosques kind of thinking about this idea. And I think that um, technology is always a difficult thing for mosques to adopt, especially... Uh, depending on the kind of uh, ages of the people who are running the mosques and and the committee the committees like in, in question so sometimes I speak to mosques who are extremely extremely um, excited about what we're doing they understand exactly why I've actually got an email this week about someone who wanted uh, pillars to help build them an app for their mosque so we get the emails and messages like that um, and so we're thinking constantly about how can we provide mosques with the tools they need but some but, but but sometimes you do notice that some mosques are more ready than others and so i think it's a matter of time um a good example is like card readers a lot of us would have donated in cash most of our lives but nowadays it's very common to see card readers in mosques and it took a while for mosques to do that um but now that's an option and now as soon as one or two mosques did it i think every other mosque has basically decided to, to sign up so it was very overnight, to be honest, and I think this is the kind of transformation we're, we're going to see in the future, um, inshallah, anyway. Sonia, what's your perspective as a Muslim woman, um, you know, engaging with the mosque and seeing it as a community space? Well, I think something like an app, like Pillars, if we can connect with the mosque, it would really help because right now, if I want to use a mosque or go to one, I need to ask all my friends first, do you guys know which mosque has a female section, first of all? Because not all of them do, and that's fine. That's still something we've spoken about. It's still developing, um, but that's something I need to know because I can't just turn up and then they're like, we have no space for you, or you're going to have to be in the mm -hmm. cupboard, you know, in the shoe cupboard or something. So, um, which is, we all know, that's how it is sometimes. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that's a huge thing. I think, I'm sure you've already thought about that on the app as well. You can say, you know, mosques that have female sections or women's sections, um, women facilities as well just like the toilets and so on um so that would be so 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 amazing and i think even starting off with like london because it is the capital city but also in london you expect it more as well because when you're there it's large where are you where's the nearest mosque it's not you know mm -hmm. it might not be easy to find where's the tube where do i go to get to the mosque i think that would be so such a good thing to bring into abdurrahman your thoughts you on that yeah no no i think what you touch on there is very important actually because so we've spoken to an organization with my mosque story a group of sisters who essentially are, are campaigning for mosques to, to kind of um, improve their services that they have for sisters. And, and sometimes they're very basic, as, as basic as providing them a space in the mosque. Um, and so something that we, um, so, so I wanted to essentially get a, a good understanding from a sister's perspective, what pillars potentially could do if we were going to develop this mosque platform so that we can essentially make it more inclusive or encourage mosques to be more inclusive and obviously the menstruation button part of the tracker was something that we thought about but in terms of the mosques i think something like a good example for example would be if you did have a directory of mosques on the app and you wanted to for example you were out and about and you wanted to see on the phone where you could pray and you could see all the different mosques or prayer rooms in the local area if you had like for example a little tag next to them like um sister friendly or woman friendly yeah. or whatever to just just highlight that that space or that mosque was uh, had a space for, for for Muslims, and I think you could potentially incentivize mosques to think more about the facilities they're giving, because you could, if you if you think about it, if you clicked on a mosque and you saw the different facilities they have, if one of them or, or a few of them was focused on the things that sisters would benefit from, I think that could encourage mosques to think about okay, how can we tick these boxes or or, or have these facilities that are not available at our mosque but are available elsewhere and. And, and, and I think it's, I think it's a lot more than just that. <laughs> I think you can't just incentivize them with tags on the pillars app. I mean, I don't want to reduce this issue. I think there's a lot of kind of local campaigning that needs to be done, for example. But I do also think that um, where we can help, I'm always open to suggestions. I think we would be more than happy to. Um, 
so yeah, even if it's as simple as, for example, allowing people to feed back to the mosque via the app, the kind of facilities they want, I mean, that could potentially highlight to them. Maybe mosques don't realize um, how much of a demand there is for a sister space. Maybe they genuinely just think that not a lot of sisters would come if they did that. So I think these sorts of things, and again, going back to the core principle and core idea, which is how can we help mosques connect with their community in a much better way um, than they do now? Definitely. I think that's a really good um, segue for the next question I'm going to ask because I want to talk about being at service and essentially pillars up doing that, facilitating that function would be at being at service to the community. But just in a broader sense, um, I want to ask you, Abdurrahman, what, is, what does it mean to be at service to the community? And what's the significance, do you think? Yeah, so I think um, being at service to the community means... So, so I, I personally believe that every single person in the community has a role to play. And it, the role is often not the same role. And I think that's a really important point to emphasize. So someone who might be really, really good at fundraising, might be a very good talker, might be very engaging, very charismatic, that person might be really good at going onto TV, raising money or, or speaking at events and raising money. Someone else who might be a lot more quiet, for example, might be very good for them, for, but, but for example, works really hard, but they might be, for example, a developer. They could, for example, reach out to their local mosque and ask them, how can I help improve your website? How can I, maybe their website looks very old. Um, maybe it's not doing, much, maybe some things on it is broken. They could reach out. Um, and more generally speaking, I think, for example, us Muslims, um, a lot of us, for example, aspire to go into careers that are very traditional, like medicine, engineering. But I actually personally believe that this is a big problem that we have. And we really do need to aspire to be the best in every single uh, discipline. And we can't all just point ourselves yeah. to one spe speciality or one, one sector like healthcare, for example, which I see is, is really common. I think there's a huge, even if I look at my lecture theatre, for example, I notice there is a huge number of not just Muslim, but generally people from our cultures and backgrounds, the Pakistani background, the Arab background, the uh, Bengali background, etc. So I think that there's a lot of kind of what we really need to do is every single person needs to look at what are they good at? And, and think how can I use the skill that I have to contribute to the, uh, to the community. So it's not just as simple as, for example, just saying, oh, I'll, I'll go to the mosque and like help them with setting up Jummah. That, that's a good step, but actually think about your strengths. What are your strengths? Um, so I've mentioned like a few, like if you're a developer, you could help with the mosque. If you, for example, are someone who, um, let me think of a good example. Um, if you, Let's, let's say, for example, uh, you, you, you're really good at campaigning, really good at organizing. Um, uh, you could, for example, as I've seen a lot of Muslims do, campaign for student finance that is halal, that is Sharia compliant, which, are, uh, which a lot of people have done. So I, I really do think that it's just about serving the community with the strengths that you have. And everyone has a strength, everyone. Yeah, and I think that's something that I'm quite strong on as well, that we need to be infiltrating every sector to be representative of Islam and to have that sense of Ihsan because I d genuinely think that there should be a shift. I, I agree with you in terms of where we're more focused on going into the more um, secure, um, if I can describe it that way, careers. Um, and perhaps that's because it's a symptom of in insecurity that our parents faced and that's something that we should bear in mind. However, it's just about having that conversation and having that dialogue with our parents, you know, the people that, of course, are important to us. And we talked about the importance of family unit before. But actually having that shift is really important for the sake of the Muslim Ummah, for the sake of the progress of Muslim Ummah. And if you think about Islamic history and how it's transpired, you can see that there was actually more of a focus on the arts before there was a focus on um, yeah. you know, the on healthcare and or the science subjects. So if you think about you know poetry, if even you know when Islam was uh, spreading, it was an oral tradition. Poetry it was used as a way to convey Islam. So I think we need to kind of go back to our values and actually look at history uh, to understand how did this message spread and how can we ourselves emulate these values. Um, and I think one way of doing that is ha by having introspection, which leads uh, to me to my next question. Um, do you think there's a lack of focus on upskilling ourselves to be at service of the community? Yes, um, uh, I think I think I think often people use the excuse of time. I would say um, that they don't have enough time to go and do things. But I think it's actually more a problem of prioritization. People are generally speaking not willing to take that time to. Um, uh, 
I think the majority of us actually have a lot more time than we think we do. And if we really, really wanted to, we could, for example, uh, use that time. A really good time, for example, is if you're if you're someone who wakes up for Fajr uh, and stays up, you can use that time between Fajr and when you need to leave to work or to school um, to, to, to learn a new skill. Um, so uh, that that's kind of how I actually ended up learning how to code, is, is I would wake up for Fajr and then I would spend, it would be about two hours between five o'clock and seven o'clock in the morning where I would just learn how to code and then from seven onwards I would get ready to leave and, and, and go to, to university or, or to study. Um, so, so for me, I think that that's definitely an issue. Um, in terms of like how and why people are doing that, I'm not too sure to be honest um, why, why Muslims don't feel it. I think there's generally speaking um, a cultural, there's a lot of cultural baggage and I think a lot of us think we just want to get into one of these kind of vocational career paths like engineering, like medicine, like uh, law, and, and and kind of stick with that. And, and I think you're absolutely right. It's because our our parents often come from a, a place of instability, and they're thinking about stability, and they're thinking about stability not for the community, but the stability for that for for their individual children, right? Their their son or, or daughter. Um. So 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 when they're thinking about how can I make sure that my son and daughter are stable the best way is to go and push them into something which is very job secure and that's why they push them into careers like medicine into careers like engineering into careers like law because these are generally speaking very job secure very you can always secure a career in one of these uh, space, uh, spaces but we're not thinking actually what can my children do that can be in line with their interests and their aims something they're good at and that's something they're interested at but that could also benefit the community we're not asking that question and maybe it's because we need to like establish ourselves put our roots and that's something that we can ask in the future perhaps we don't have the luxury but i think actually now more and more we we really do need to think about actually how as an how as a community we can be stable um so i, I i'm hoping that people do think especially in our generation i'm hoping people are thinking more about how can my children contribute to society as opposed to just contribute to, to themselves yeah, you highlight really important points in thinking about we need to be more holistic in the way we approach things rather than an individual sense. Yeah. Sonia, you're someone that's really interested in media. What has been your kind of experience regarding this? Well, I always say that, I've said this so many times, we need more Muslim people and more representation. And my main point is that you could be maybe not so good at it, you could be amazing at it. Or if we're talking about even like TV or something, you could be presented in a in a negative way or you could be presented in a positive way it doesn't matter as long as you're there you're present because then you get all the things you get everything good bad you know you could be doing uh, the filming the recording behind the screens you could be a presenter you could be a runner you could be the coffee maker as long as you're in those spaces that's what we need um so often mm -hmm. you we have issues we complain like oh they've portrayed us like this so we're not happy with this media portrayal but if we're not in those spaces we can't make those changes the only way we can is if we're there like you said infiltrate love that word if we're there infiltrating the spaces then we can put it our perspective or little things someone might have a question they don't know where to go people are google isn't the same as a real life human you know telling you their experiences so um from my experience there's not many muslims in media i'm not gonna lie to you um it's still something mm -hmm. we're just getting into um i mean you can probably name on one hand the muslims off the top of your head who you know that are in maybe the tv industry or film industry uh, yeah you probably could um and the way i see it is because there's not enough encouragement in fact sometimes it's frowned upon it's like really you want to go into that people, pe yeah people will like almost laugh at you like come on like be serious for a second and it's like no i am being serious just think about like uh, cinematography just in that alone you could be the person who's holding the mic do you know what I mean that but that alone you're in that space but people need to push for it and it is in my opinion it can be secure I know we mentioned the word secure and getting jobs like mm. doctor and lawyer and stuff to be secure for yourself and for your kids but if you work hard and you know like we said London easy access for us we're lucky we live in Luton but there are opportunities out there you just need to find it um so yeah that's that's how I feel I don't feel like there's enough of us in those spaces yeah um and I think something that you touched upon is about 
um, the perception from perhaps you know the generation above us that they see it as a space of instability and therefore we, they don't want to push their parents but also they also view it from the Islamic perspective there's sometimes contention between um, making, making sure that you preserve your values the Islamic values in yeah. spaces that perhaps yeah. will compromise them so what's your thoughts on that and how can someone navigate their ambition make, ensuring that their values are not deterred um, in spaces that will try to uh, force them to assimilate. Yeah, so I think that um, you make a very good point. I think that Muslims, we should be in all sectors and we should be the best in every, we should be a stri striving to be the best in those sectors. So going back to that concept of Islam, in terms of the um, values, well, that's that's the thing, right? Because you do sometimes do see Muslims, at least their names sound very Muslim, right? Um, that, um, uh, that do climb up the ladder and do well right then they get quite high but i think oftentimes we see that they lose their values and often they provide nothing um that would help support uh, our community um they end up adopting essentially values that are outside of our value system and um that's not benefit there's that literally little to no point of that happening if people are going to go into these industries and they are going to do well in those industries um, we're not benefiting at all if if they're going to lose all those values uh, along the way. So so actually, when it comes to the, the, I think that you do need to be uncompromising in your values, even if you see that that's going to cause your path to take longer. Um, and as soon as you do start to compromise, I think it's a very slippery slope. There's very little to me. You essentially, you, you could say to yourself, I think a lot of Muslims often think that, um, uh, and I think it's unfortunate, but that there's the the the, the kind of uh, I've forgotten the phrase, but the kind of means to an end uh, kind of justifies it. So so if you if you if you do lie or if you do do something or if you do endorse or whatever it is, you do something that is against your value system, uh, and, and to get to a position that is higher, and you just tell yourself, you convince yourself, I'll do this one thing, one off, because then that means I'll be in this position. And once I'm in this, so for example, let's say you're, you're in an elections and you're, you cheat to try and get into this position and your justification is that I will cheat to get to this position because once I do, then I can do good things for the Muslim community. That's, no, if you do that, you essentially, you will start, that will not be the first, it will yeah. be first, uh, that will not be the last, it will be the first of many things that you will do to compromise and it really doesn't stop there. So I think it's extremely important. It is more difficult. And I've seen a lot of Muslims, whether it's on the student political scene or whether it's in just generally in society, where they do find challenges with that. But at the end of the day, these challenges are things that Allah is testing us with. Allah is not going to accept um, uh, us just by our word. Allah is expecting us to, to, to back it up with our actions. So, so if we aren't going to go ahead and be tested by those things and be resilient and make sure that we still adopt those values, then really what we're telling Allah is we failed this test. You tested us to see if we actually believe in this uh, this thing, if we believe in Allah and the, the values that Allah tells us that we should have. Um, then, then, uh, the, then fundamentally, you're telling Allah that you don't. You don't actually believe those things, not truly in your heart. So um, that's something to always bear in mind. And then I guess the, the the real question is, is that what do you prioritize? Is it pleasing Allah or is it pleasing the people around you in society? So so uh, and, and, and there's a there's a nice quote from a book I once read that if you please, if you strive to please people, you won't please anyone. If you strive to please Allah, you please Allah and the people. So I think that's something that we should always try to remember. That's really beautifully said. And um, I just think that, you know, what you touched about in, in making sure that you don't exchange your values and morals just for a bit of money or a bit of position or a bit of status, because n none of that is, you know, holds values completely redundant in the face of, you know, when we are held accountable by Allah, it's, it's not seen as something that holds value. Um, and I think what happens is that I think there's two things. I think people just feel that they're going to do it for the better good. And like you said, they will just mm -hmm. exchange that one moment for that one um, piece of promotion. But then later on, it transpires to something else. And I think that the also the second thing is that there isn't an infrastructure in, sp in place. So because they're the only one in that area, they feel there's a lack of support system. And so therefore that resilience that they get from their faith and they don't see the community mm. behind them saying, no, don't compromise your values. We're here for you. We will try to facilitate. Yes, it might take longer, but perhaps we'll financially support you, we'll emotionally support you. I don't think there's that as well. So I think yeah. it is a, a problem that's not just 
um, you know, in an individual sense, I think it's a huge community problem. We need to be there for each other. And that kind of uh, is a follow-up question for my next question is that do you think that uh, we don't really focus on um, developing ourselves in terms of our characteristics in order for us to be at service to the community? Because you see a lot of times a lot of people do um, these great things in terms of campaigning and, you know, uh, raising funds, et cetera, et cetera. But really, are we actually harnessing that talent that we have in ourselves are we having introspection are we actually thinking about character because if you think about islam it came to humble it came to humble us and it came to it first talked about you know thinking about your adab and i think that's something that we don't really talk about mannerisms mm. and mannerism mm -hmm. really does go really far you know how you interact with someone your impression with someone can really you know take you to many many places and i think even just you know impacting one uh, one person and even in impacting many people if you want to affect change you have to be likable you have to have manners you have to be feel uh, be you know be seen and heard and the only way you're going to be that if if you give people the time of the day if you look at the prophet sallallahu he would turn around his entire body language to speak to someone he made that person feel yeah. very special and i think that we've mm. lost the essence of manners and characteristics and how do you think that's um impacted our community service of the rahman i think that by the way i think that example is a beautiful example that i also like to tell people about how the prophet said him turn his entire body towards someone not just turning his head and so um yes uh, and it kind of links into the previous uh, uh kind of question and my answer and i do think actually part of it is about taqwa and people believing in allah that if they do maintain and stay with the values that that we have in islam even if things are harder that actually you, and often very quickly, but sometimes it can take a while. Allah does make things easy for you. So, so, so you might find that uh, very in, in front of you, short in, in the short term, in the very very short term, that there, there might be more difficulty by taking the the kind of right pathway. But actually, very quickly, I've often found in my life, whenever I've done this, whenever I've been honest in a situation which actually could kind of bite me, um, that uh, actually Allah ends up doing something for me very soon after and I and, and I often make that link I'm often like subhanallah this this is definitely because of what happened the other day um, in terms of the um, your, your, your question just now I think um, what we've done unfortunately I think is reduced Islam to a ritualistic uh, religion uh, very often um, we we and and there are certain things that in Islam of course prayer uh, obviously coming from the pillars I'm going to tell you that prayer and Allah is extremely important but I think we often don't think about the adab and the akhlaq that a Muslim should have. And we're, we're very focused on kind of the uh, aesthetic of Islam, the way that we look, the way that we dress, the way that we, uh, the way that we trim Just our beards. Just to interrupt you there, we do have eight seconds left. Oh. I really appreciate your um, time today That's on the good. show. We need a part two. We need, definitely need a part two. Thank <laughs> you for having Thank you for being here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org. And follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.